lots and lots of Republicans voted for me in the Senate to substitute its judgment for the people in picking a president. They are ready for someone to take the reins. We need more engagement in this public discourse and not less. Just listen. I think that's what I need to do is just really listen. What's up, Tennessee? You're listening to TriStar Talk. I'm Jeff Patterson. It's April 9th. This morning I woke up just craving some hot chicken. And on my YouTube recommendations, it came up with a video from Binging with Babish. It's a really cool account. Check it out if you haven't. Essentially what he does is shows you how to make food that you see on movies and TV shows. And he had a video for Hattie B's Chicken and how to make it. And so I just decided that I was going to order some. And so I used uh, Uber Eats to order some hot chicken this morning. And it's funny because I saw this doctor tweet out about being aware about the services that you have during the coronavirus. Remember, there are a ton of Americans who don't even have a credit card. Many Americans live in areas not served by Instacart or other fancy services. So I think it's important just to reflect and realize how how lucky a lot of us are with the options that we have. There are people living in rural communities where where we don't have where people don't have the option. They don't they have to go out and get their food. They have to go to the supermarket and they're they're constantly putting themselves at risk when they do that. That's why it's been so important to quarantine, to get the numbers down to keep people inside as much as possible. And it's important to fight against a lot of the coronavirus misinformation that's out there. I've seen a lot of people, I I don't know if they're just bad actors or if they are genuinely conflicted and confused by some of the information that they're getting. But there was a doctor that was recently called as an expert witness in this case. And she said, COVID-19, quite different and much more dangerous than the cold and flu. She says it is much more contagious and has higher hospitalization and higher death rates. So when you see people out there, and we've talked about it on the show before, there are thousands of medical professionals in the state, all over the country, that have been telling us very clearly that coronavirus is more dangerous We shouldn't just act like it's like the flu. And there have been a lot of politicians that have made those claims. We need to fight this misinformation. We need people to be aware of how dangerous this actually is. We need to listen to the experts. And there was a there was a really interesting study that came out from economists at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. They they are weighing in on the economic economic arguments that a lot of people are making about the coronavirus. They say that the fight between preventing the spread and maintaining a healthy economy is a false dichotomy. They report in a new economic impact analysis that if non-essential businesses are left open as the disease is circulating, Tennessee's economy will lose $214 billion, which is 56.2% of the state's GDP. And that is their most conservative estimate. We cannot have a healthy economy in the face of COVID-19 and its accelerating rate of infection, they write. A completely open economy means extensive person-to-person contact and mass spread of the disease and its consequences. Again, there there are several Tennessee Republicans that have been pushing for reopening the economy as fast as possible, as soon as possible. The president's been saying that. 
those same bad actors that were spreading misinformation that I mentioned, they've been saying that we have to do everything we can to reopen the reopen the economy right now. And these economists from the University of Tennessee are saying that that will be worse, that we will lose half over half of the state's GDP, 214 billion, and people and the virus will continue to spread. So the more the more people make these arguments about the economy, about how the virus isn't that deadly, experts are disproving those claims and providing good information for all of us. And that's why I'm talking about it. I want you to have that same information. I don't want you to be misled. I want you to know when people are making these false claims. Uh, State Senator Akbari from Memphis in the wake of this coronavirus pandemic says that, again, that the state should reconsider Medicaid expansion to contain, contain the pandemic. And you know this is a big point that I like to make every time. And I think she makes this point so succinctly. The COVID-19 pandemic is a public health problem that demands a public health solution. Our hospitals, doctors, and nurses deserve to be paid for the life-saving care they're providing. And Medicaid expansion is the obvious and best answer to make sure this happens. To contain a pandemic virus and protect public health, it is critical that every Tennessean who needs treatment gets it. The Census Bureau estimates 675,000 Tennesseans lack health coverage. And that number has likely grown as companies have shed workers. 100,000 people in the state have applied for unemployment assistance. And under Medicaid expansion, a single Tennessean who earns less than $24,000 a year and doesn't have health insurance through their job can enroll in TennCare. The estimated $1.4 billion program would be funded with 90% federal tax dollars. This is something we mentioned last episode. And hospital leaders in the state committed previously to paying for that the remainder of the uh, the 10% that would be left up to the state. They've already they've committed to covering that. One of society's most effective tools for preventing the spread of disease and improving public health is individual insurance coverage. And study after study shows that health coverage improves patient outcomes, it reduces po- out-of-pocket expenses, increases access to do- doctors. And by the way, increased access to doctors means more preventive care, which is what you want. If you don't have insurance, you're never going to the doctor. And the only reason you'll go and seek medical care is when it's really dire, when you go to the emergency room. And that is not how we need to have our health system work. Everyone needs to be insured. It brings down costs for hospitals. It brings down costs for people. And people can get the preventive care they need to reduce the chances of worse problems coming up, whether it's problems with your heart that could have been detected. Maybe it's maybe it's something more severe. Maybe it's cancer that they you could have caught sooner because you were having regular visits. Your health care, your ability to receive regular care from a doctor of your choice should not depend on how much money you have in the bank. And I and I'm just glad to see other I'm glad to see politicians in this state stand up for that as well. During a crisis, uninsured people create an acute public health challenge because uninsured adults are more likely to postpone doctor visits, like I was saying. And in 2018, one in five uninsured adults went without uh, needed medical care because they couldn't afford it. State Senator Sarah Kyle agreed with State Senator Akbari. She said, there is not one single policy change that could do more for our health, our health workers, and our economy 
than expanding Medicaid. And I completely agree. Um, I'm going to continue to say that as it comes up. And of course, it comes up all the time, especially when we're facing a cha- challenges like this. But even when this pandemic ends, people will still continue to have serious health issues and will continue to have issues with even being able to pay for the care that they need. Election news. I think probably the biggest story uh, of the week for sure, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders recently announced that he was ending his campaign for president of the United States. It was between just him and Joe Biden at this point for the Democratic nomination. Joe Biden was leading in pledge delegates. He did not have the number he needed to clinch the nomination, but the Sanders campaign did not see a chance to get more delegates from now until the time of the election. And so he stepped down. And I'm I'm personally really disappointed. I'm I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. And I think the toughest challenge that Joe Biden is going to have right now is getting the Sanders supporters to trust him, to to swing them to his side when he has not supported the things that that the Sander, uh, Sanders supporters love so much that Bernie was supporting. Andrew Yang, also a presidential candidate who dropped out, said that Bernie Sanders is a fucking hero. Let's come together and beat this guy, Donald Trump. State Representative John Ray Clemens said it's official. Joe Biden is our candidate for president. Support him and let's do this. Sitting this election out is not an option. I'm not dealing with this nonsense for four more years. Hashtag vote Biden 2020. Justin Canyu, who was a candidate for Congress here in Tennessee, said, uh, I've supported Bernie. I will now support Joe. To do anything else is to help this uh, narcissistic lying con man. I hope my fellow Bernie supporters will join me. And I, I do think that Senator Sanders did send forth a tiny ripple of hope to all Americans who believe that their politicians have abandoned them. I think Senator Sanders is the real deal, that he actually cares about Americans. And, and he's he's fought for these same ideas his entire career. Hopefully we'll continue to look to his example as we decide what direction we want to move in as a country. And what's funny, I I, I understand people that are supporting Joe are saying, look, you have to support Biden or you get Trump. And that's simply not an option because as some have said, you know, to do anything else is to help the narcissistic line con man. But let's not forget that the Democratic Party is also failing a lot of people. A lot of Sanders supporters were supporting Sanders because he, he, he was standing up to the Democratic establishment. He wanted to see a change. And the fact that he didn't get the nomination and Joe did shows that the establishment didn't want to move too too much to the left for whatever reason. I saw plenty of polls showing that Bernie Sanders could defeat Donald Trump. I, I, th- I do think he would also have done the most to rally the base. And I believe in his, all of his ideas more. But it will be tough for Joe Biden to win over a lot of Sanders supporters. I, I, I'm not going to make any decision on this yet. Personally, I I do want to see if Joe Biden changes his position on certain things. I do want to see if he wants to drop the age requirement in Medicare and expand it to all people in this country. It would be the most effective way of treating people, and it would be the cheapest. And study after study shows that statistically Medicare recipients are happier with their insurance than individuals who uh, get their insurance from private companies. So I definitely think there's some way to work that out. 
because a lot of people are struggling. And as others have, have said, this COVID-19 pandemic should really open your eyes to the dire situation our healthcare system is in and that we do need fundamental change. This was an interesting story. State Representative John DeBerry is no longer considered a Democrat by the Tennessee Democratic Party. The Tennessee Democratic Party Executive Committee voted on Wednesday, April 8th to remove Memphis State Rep John DeBerry from the primary ballot. The vote was 41 to 18 to remove him. His bona fide status as a Democrat was challenged because of some some votes he's made, the way that he's voted in the past. He's backed several bills restricting abortion, and he's received thousands of dollars in donations from organizations and individuals who typically support only Republican candidates. He's a 26-year veteran lawmaker, and he he also voted in favor of Governor Bill Lee's Education Savings Account Program in 2019. That, That Education Savings Account Program was tied before Knoxville Republican broke it. DeBerry said that he's been pushing for school choice for 20 years, and has always maintained a strong pro-life position that that he never tried to hide. Uh, He never tried to hide his stance on those issues, and the voters continued to re-elect him. Again, he he, he was a lawmaker for 26 years, and so the Tennessee Democratic Party decided he would not be on the ballot for the Democratic primary. The, the, The executive committee took issue with his stances in the past, and they've claimed that they, when voters see a D next to a candidate's name, they want that to mean that that person stands for all of the, all of the positions of the, of the Democratic Party. I don't know. I'm a little conflicted on how I want to think about this. You know, if you don't agree with every single position of, of the party you want to be a part of, does that mean you don't get to be in that party? I don't know. I'd like to hear you guys talk about this because na- naturally I, I would disagree with his decisions on that anyway. And I'm a person that's already pretty critical of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party as well. So it could be I don't want to be too biased. I do want to get other opinions and get some more thoughts on this. Uh, If you if you have a strong opinion on that, please mention us on Twitter. We can start a debate. We can talk about it. Justin Jones is a candidate running against Jim Cooper in the Democratic primary for District 5 uh, following Senator Sanders' announcement that he was ending his presidential campaign, Justin Jones tweeted out, This is precisely the time for big ideas. Medicare for all, Green New Deal, cancel student debt, stop endless wars. This is why we're pushing a multiracial grassroots campaign in the South against one of the most corporate dims in the U.S. House. Stand up, keep fighting. Some of the other positions that Justin's taken, I was looking through his website, finding out more about his beliefs. He says, our communities are working longer hours for lower wages, while corporations make record profits and executives collect million-dollar bonuses. Our city has become a playground for the wealthy few, while a vast majority of us struggle to pay rent, buy groceries, and afford basic health care. We are challenging a political system that has catered to corporate interests for decades. We believe that health care is a human right. We believe that young people should not have to live their entire lives under the burden of student loan debt. We believe that all should feel safe and welcome in our country and our communities. We believe that we must end mass incarceration and end for-profit prisons. We believe that environmental justice is a defining fight for our generation, and it must be led by the communities who suffer most from our continued inaction, black, brown, indigenous, and working class. 
Our country needs a political revolution. We need new leaders who have the courage to step up and join the conversation to reimagine entire systems. Jim Cooper has raised significantly less than the average House member for his reelection efforts this cycle and, and really for all previous cycles since 94. Uh, he, he has raised on average less than, than other, other House members. He's got 55% of donations coming from large individual donations and almost 40% of his money comes from PAC contributions and a very small percentage from, from small donations. That was a really big part of Bernie Sanders' grassroots movement was that he was raising money from everyday people with the average donation being very, very low. I think it's, it's somewhere from like 18 to $30. He had just so many donations and he was still bringing in so much money. He was trying to prove that you can win an election with a grassroots movement by just getting money from the people and not relying on corporations, not relying on PACs to raise money for your campaign. In Congress, Representative Steve Cohen mentioned that the uh, Democratic House Caucus had a conference call with Vice President Pence. Dr. Fauci and Burks, Dr. Burks, and pretty much the rest of the team, except for the president, that the call was professional, respectful, and helpful. They need that lineup at the five o'clock briefings, and Americans will feel better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people disagree that President Trump has has been sending mixed messages this entire time. I don't think he's really risen to the occasion. Not to say he's done nothing, because that wouldn't be true, but he hasn't done near enough. And he doesn't want to be honest about this. He doesn't want to take any blame. He doesn't want to take responsibility, despite being the person in charge charge of the country. And, you know, that's his decision. Hopefully, Americans will wake up and will remember how he handles crises when we get to the election in November. Steve Cohen also provided a coronavirus update, saying three Memphis community health centers received HHS grants totaling $3.6 million. The funding was authorized by the CARES Act, and he's going to keep fighting to ensure that we will have the resources that we need. Representative Chuck Fleischman mentioned that he was speaking with the Tennessee Trucking Association and saying that their members who have done a great job of keeping our supply line open during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I want you to go and go check this out on his Twitter page because the picture that he posts Whenever he says, oh, I'm, I'm talking to these people or such and such, it's at the same desk, same chair, same angle, and you're just looking at the wall. I don't know why he chooses that spot to talk to people and specifically mention to me. Maybe he could get another picture. Doesn't have, or You don't even need a picture at all. I guess he's just trying to prove that he's actually doing it. Not, I don't think that does prove it, just a picture of you by a phone. I don't know, Chuck. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out together. We'll, we'll try to get you some better, better pictures because it's really it's, – it's a pretty uninspiring, uninspiring image, I got to be honest. Representative Tim Burchett said he's introducing the Taxpayer Accountability for Airline Relief Act to ensure that money from the CARES Act goes to the operations of the airline companies that need it most, not to line the pockets of corporate executives in the airline industry. Which it doesn't sound bad if it's true. I would like to look at the bill, look at a little more of the language on that. Representative Mark Green had he had a couple of pretty interesting things to say. He said that the that China is making medical supplies to France conditional upon adopting Huawei technology. And this is something that I saw got a little attention. There were a couple other articles written about 
about these statements. He said it happened uh, in a phone call that the that Chinese said that to to the French that it was conditional. The French embassy has denied the story, as have the Chinese. I I don't know where he heard this. I haven't seen anything else about it other than him saying that it happened. I think it would be an issue if it did happen. But again, I I can't really say too much. There's not anything that I've seen to to prove that that actually happened. But we'll continue to look into it. He also tweeted out that he agrees with his Democratic colleagues that colleges and universities that need relief funds should get them and that predatory universities should not. But it's laughable to think that the privileged schools at which Senator Warren used to teach might also benefit, which I don't understand how that's his position. And it was in response to Senator Warren, along with some other Senate Democrats, sending a letter to Education Secretary Betsy DeVos asking her to focus coronavirus stimulus money meant for higher education on public and nonprofit universities and to implement strict restrictions on how the money can be used if sent to for-profit colleges. So they're saying that for-profit colleges, if they get anything, it should be very, very closely monitored. And specifically, specifically said that the stimulus money is meant for higher education on public and nonprofit universities. So I don't, I don't understand what Mark Green said. Maybe he misread. Maybe he didn't read it and was just saying something. I, I don't, I don't understand that critique. It seems like he, he misunderstood what they were saying. He also talked about Edgar Allan Poe. And I'm a big Poe guy. I love Edgar Allan Poe. I, I've, I've loved reading him. I always read him around Halloween, of course. And I tried to ever, ever since I, I first started reading Poe in seventh grade. Uh, but he, he really went off. He was paralleling the fall of the House of Usher with his favorite movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. <laughs> I, I didn't even know you could do that. Uh, he, he follows that the dangers of isolation uh, are presented in both of these stories. I, I, I really think he's stretching by making the connection with these two. Uh, or he's just demonstrating how broad his interests are, his creative interests, that he's an everyman who could talk about Edgar Allan Poe and Ben Stiller's hit movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. He also followed that making a quick statement about how much we love freedom because we're Americans and we need to end the isolation soon because the isolation is dangerous. I, I'm, I'm honestly worried about him if he's invoking these two stories and then trying to connect it to the idea that we need to end in our social isolation during this coronavirus pandemic. Again, man, the healthcare professionals are telling us we need to keep doing this. New economic studies are showing us that if we ramp up the economy with non-essential business, we will lose billions, hundreds of billions. You just need to relax. We need to listen to the experts and, and quit spreading this, this misinformation and demanding we end this soon. We're going to do what we have to do to keep people safe. That should be the priority. Because, of course, during this pandemic, we've lost we've lost so many great people. So many have have died after after contracting the illness and very notably. Singer songwriter John Prine. A legend in Tennessee. John Prine was just such an influential figure, and I just saw so many other great artists mourning his loss. 
and so many politicians in Tennessee showing off their John Prine vinyls. And, and I was, I was drawn to a song that John Prine wrote. It's a protest song that came out during the Vietnam War. And he wrote, but your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. They're already overcrowded from your dirty little war. Now, Jesus don't like killing no matter what the reason's for. And your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. I'm not going to try and follow John Prine. (laughs) So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TriStarTalk. I'm Jeff Patterson. Thanks for listening.